All right, everybody, don't drop that fast forward button. The sponsorship roll call is about to begin. Energy Consulting Limited provides complete project management and general contracting services to a variety of private sector clients on both commercial and residential construction projects. They act as the owner's representatives through the planning, design, budgeting, scheduling, construction, and occupancy processes. Clients appreciate their open, honest, and flexible approach to achieving their project goals. Although they're located in Surrey, BC, Energy works on projects all over the province, including the growing cities of the north and the beautiful coastal towns of Vancouver Island. They're always excited to explore new places and develop relationships with professionals wherever their clients' interests may be. Abacus North is a firm that specializes in mortgage banking solutions for complex projects. In addition to providing financing solutions in a traditional mortgage broker capacity, Abacus North provides direct loans that range from $2 million to $25 million. On a syndicated basis, they provide mortgage banking solutions up to $300 million. In most cases, their in-house capital solutions can bridge financing gaps that traditional lenders are unable to service. They specialize in providing land acquisition loans, construction financing for large-scale developments, income-producing properties, and single-purpose facilities. With a portfolio that includes high-rise, mid-rise, and low-rise condominiums, townhouse developments, shopping centers, agricultural properties, industrial developments, and medical marijuana facilities, Abacus North is at the forefront of creative mortgage banking solutions with a focus on fostering long-term relationships. They are a multifaceted organization that services domestic and international clients with their mortgage banking needs. Complex financing solutions require analytical thinking well beyond a typical mortgage broker relationship. As a result, they focus on providing engineered solutions for their client. Their key differentiation strategy is that they assist clients in actively managing the capital stack in order to minimize borrowing costs while maximizing flexibility. Abacus North focuses on national and global opportunities. Ascentia CPA has a team of new-gen chartered professional accountants that are dedicated to advancing companies using expertise combined with emerging technologies. The team at Ascentia will implement the latest accounting technologies, allowing you to not only run a business, but to run a smart business that will excel in your industry. Their focus is to provide growth-centric, value-added, and timely accounting services for businesses, as well as individuals across Canada. Unlike standard accounting firms, by embracing cloud-based software, the team at Ascentia will provide you with real-time accounting information on a secure platform that is accessible anywhere at any time, allowing you to make better informed decisions and gain more controlled overview of your financial data. The reliability and expertise you will experience with the professionals at Ascentia will assist you in the preparation of corporate and personal tax returns, financial statements, bookkeeping, government filings, tax and estate planning, as well as business advisory services. For more information on the advantages of online accounting and to book a complimentary meeting online, be sure to visit ascentiacpa.ca. We are talking about we're gonna invite people in on the the beginnings of, of a podcast and stuff so 
Um, a few of the things I thought that we could cover today, if uh, if you don't mind, um, cupping. Because I know like in the world of like athletics, it kind of goes like two ways. You know, people think it's beneficial, people who don't think it's beneficial. But then I thought, you know, like overextending from, you know, like athletics in general, you know, we could kind of like, you know, dip into like the process behind it. Because I feel like even like myself and, you know, like everybody that I talk to has an opinion, but it's not very educated. Okay. Um, and then we've talked about this before briefly, um, but Qigong is how you pronounce it, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I was kind of like wondering like how, because, you know, like we're morphing like from like a Western style medicine into more of like an Eastern style medicine that I wonder why there's principles that come along with that or if they are going to in the future because like our exercise and performance is all based around like just killing it. You know, I guess like probably CrossFit is the, the complete polar opposite of like Qigong, right? Because from what I understand, the brief conversations we've had before, like it's not even really like you want like a little bit of a sweat to the body or like warmth to the body, but you don't really want to go past that. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I don't even want to begin to try to explain it, but like the the Chinese way of saying massage. Tuena. Yeah. Um, you know, because like I feel like that's a concept that, you know, we hold at like a high regard. It's something that's very expensive, but something that like we all never really do. You know, mm -hmm. like, you know, we might go like once a month at best or once every three months or I haven't had a massage in years, you know, like all those um, different components to it and just kind of like, going mm. around like why you know massage is so beneficial not like not only in general but more why it is you know like tcm consider it to be such an important part of the holistic you know body experience mm -hmm. um and then all the research that i've done kind of leads me to believe there's a little bit of um i wouldn't say controversy but i don't know like how these different dates come to play so i've heard anything from like 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 up to 6,000 years is how far we can date back um, traditional Chinese, you know, medicine. And I believe some of like the earliest writings were on the back of tortoise shells. And that's kind of where they uh, find some like the earliest writings, but the earliest texts are kind of like actual like medical yeah. descriptions are from like a little bit later on. And I think like the <laughs> turtle shells from what I've researched are from the Shang dynasty, I think, and like the actual texts of medical um, are from like the Han, H A N, Han dynasty. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and then if we have time, which we probably won't, and depending on how much time we cover in each one of these, is like seasonal routines. Because obviously we're kind of getting into like that, that winter season. We're there right now. Um, and like what it, like a winter seasonal routine would look like. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there's there's my my mind and where I've been kind of what I've been thinking. So um, out of all that, where where should we kick off? We'll just start at the beginning with the cupping. Okay. Everything so, cupping. Let's hear it. Okay. All right. So cupping has been around for quite a long time. It's something. It's one of the body work modalities that's included uh, as part of Chinese medicine. Anyone who's trained in acupuncture, as far as I know, at least in um, the U.S., is also trained in cupping. 
And cupping involves creating a suction. So it's the reverse of having a massage. It's instead of pressing, you're, you're using these little glass. I use the glass ones. Some practitioners use plastic bulbous cups that are applied to the skin with a vacuum that suck the skin up. So it ends up that if there is stagnation in that person's tissue in that spot, then it will look like a hickey, but huge. So it looks like a giant octopus has like smacked the person on the back, for example, or on the shoulder. Um, So, and, and that's actually a good thing that that stagnation is coming out to the surface because it means that the stuff that's stuck in the deeper tissues of the body that has been there for a long time that the body hasn't eliminated for whatever reason is able to get processed and eliminated from the system more, more easily. Um, And with cupping, it can be done for many different reasons. You can do cupping to release muscle tension and to free up the fascia and areas of the body. You can do cupping. I do a lot of cupping on the back for lung conditions. I've seen the, I can't say that cupping has cured anything that's not allowed. Um, But I can say that I have seen the symptoms of exercise induced asthma disappear. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't followed up with that person for a couple of years, but um, a rigorous cupping protocol uh, allowed that to occur. Um, And I use it for acute lung conditions and I use, you can use it at the very beginning stages of like a wind cold to help release the, the pathogen from the superficial layers of the body. You can use it as you mentioned for athletic purposes when someone is really training hard and stuff's getting stuck in the muscle tissue it helps to like pull it out so they can clear it out and then the more that you have the cupping like if someone was to come in like every few days or every week the more you have it the less stagnation there is so it ends up so that eventually the Skin changes color during the actual cupping session, but then it immediately your body can just process whatever was stuck in the tissue. Really helps. I, I like it a lot for loosening up like tension in the trapezius and that whole area of the body all the way down to the low back. There can be um, bleeding cupping is another technique where the skin is pricked and then the cup is placed over the skin and the suction pulls the stagnant blood out of the area. We use this, for example, on Weijong, which is a, a point on the back of the knee for acute back pain. For example, if someone has an acute herniation, we might use that, or um, an acute like muscle spasm or something like that. So there are many different reasons we'll do cupping for someone. Um, and the I, I've read in some places people say that the the actual effects of the cupping, like the suction from it, can reach up to four inches into the body. Oh wow! So, <clears throat> so it's like that vacuum gets stuff moving. And then there's different types of cupping. There's flash cupping. There's running cupping, and there's cupping where you just leave the cups on, or you might leave them on for a little while, take them off, put them back on. Different. Um, Different levels of suction can be applied 
So you're not going to get a cup as tight as you possibly can on someone's skin and then try to do running cupping, which is where you slide the cup on the skin. And for that, I use oil. And in the wintertime, I use sesame oil. So I apply the sesame oil to the person's back, for example, and then I run the cup up and long, up along and down along the ladder channel to relief, to release any stagnation that might be there. Um, and then flat cup, the cup, you, you create the suction, put it on, pull it off, do it again. And then you're like, it's like you're going pop, 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 pop. And then, um, there, the other, uh, cupping is when you actually leave the cups on for 10 minutes or whatever, however long you feel that the person needs it for therapeutic purposes. It's so it kind of sounds like tissue is, go ahead. It kind of sounds like this would be something that would be great, um, you know, like if people got into like more of like a preventative care kind of before the proverbial cold and flu season, you know, to help like get some of the pathogens out of the body. Because like, as we've talked before, like a lot of them are already stored in the body. You know, they just right. kind of expose themselves like during this time, you know, so to kind of help alleviate some of those systems. Plus there's always, you know, like, like bronchial infections. There's always, you know, like issues to do like with like the lungs. So you know, it just seems like it'd be something agreed to be a part of like your fall ritual, like going into yes. the, the winter seasons, you know, to be able to help just set yourself up for success during the winter months. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I have a class, a client who's had a lot of upper respiratory stuff chronically for years, including asthma. And she's been having very beneficial effects from having the regular cupping. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what else do I want to say about that? Uh, all right, it'll come back to me. <laughs> when, you know, and we just look at, you know, like, yeah, and, you know, like those are like, like obviously the health like benefits, you know, which we, we extensively like want to cover to be able to give people like the tools and the knowledge to be able to go and say, this is why I'm going to do it. You know, and I know from like an athletic perspective, you know, like a lot of athletes will, who are seeking it out, look at it for like, you know, lactic acid flushing, you know, you know, especially within the legs, you know, preventing like the conditions like venous pooling, you know, getting the deoxygenated blood, you know, traveling, you know, back through the body and, you know, those kind of like effects and stuff. And, you know, again, like you said, like tension, like frozen shoulder, you know, like, you know, like a lot of racket sports players and stuff like that help, you know, you can use it for people when they're clenching and grinding. There are little tiny silicone and rubber cups that you can self-apply. So you pinch them and then you put them on the skin and let them go and they open up. I think I have one here. I just happen to have one right next to my desk. Oh, that's <laughs> so awesome. This is, this is a silicone cup. And so like if I were to use it, you'd use it on an area that's smaller. Yeah. Um, you just put it on and then it sticks. Oh. And then pop it off. How long other. would you leave that on for? Well, these aren't as good as the glass cups in terms of suction power or staying power. So really, I mean, this you'd leave on just till it started to fall off, you know, or you start to feel it loosen. You could do oil on the skin. You could put some uh, moisturizer or something, and then you could slide the cup. But then the other thing is that if you have any kind of tooth or gum infection, you don't want to be using this because you don't want to be like, spreading it or making it worse you want to wait till that heals before you do something like that oh, okay well, I think- and then the other 
I just say it's interesting because if they had something that has quite a long, um, like descending tube on it, like if there was like a straw on the end with like a little pinch clasp on it, you could actually just, you know, apply more pressure if that was something that like you wanted to do or like. They have them that the, the plastic ones, they have like a little pump. So oh, you can yeah. just pump it and it sticks and they can, they can be pretty powerful as probably close to as powerful as the glass cups. Um, and then they have different shapes. Like they have natural rubber ones that are, they look more like an actual cup shape or a little bowl. Oh. And then they have this rip, you know, lip on the end. And, and so you, they have like, there are many different products out there. Yeah. Um, what you were saying about, you know, doing things preventatively, a lot of times you feel instant relief from these sort of techniques, but it's good to keep in mind that a lot of this treatment can be a process. For example, when I have someone who comes in with seasonal allergies or, or um, regular res use respiratory allergies specifically, what I have seen in my practice is that I will work with them for a year and then the following season that they usually get the biggest flare up in, it's, it's, that's when I see the most improvement in their symptoms being diminished. So like they might still have the allergy but it will be way less than if they hadn't done the acupuncture for the year prior. So they'll get relief from each individual session and the sessions have a cumulative effect, but they'll also get more like longstanding relief. Like the body learns not to get as inflamed, you know, in the next season that would normally trigger them. And then the other thing with the cupping is that it's not just a treatment. It's also somewhat diagnostic. So we can look at the color of the skin after the cup has been removed and see what is actually going on in there. Is there more heat? Is there more blood stagnation in the microcirculation channels? Um, is there like a blood deficiency stagnation? The color of the cupping marks and the way that they stay, like does the skin puff up, for example, these are all clues as to what, is happening with the person's circulation and in the deeper tissues. See, and you know, these are the things that like I look at, it's like how what's becoming very popular in, um, you know, like in younger school years is, you know, adopting like, you know, meditation practices into like a daily routine in schools. You know, like these are some of the things too that like I would see like, you know, if we could like adopt, you know, a lot of these, you know, like Eastern modalities and, you know, in principles and practices, like into like our children where they just grow up. This is something that we do. So we kind of like curb a lot of that from the beginning because then it might not take the whole year and it's the next season. It's just because like we've manifested all this in our body over the decades that we've been alive. And then we right. have to try to start peeling those onion skins back and then to be able to gain the benefit from it, you know, in, you know, like in a year from now or two years from now or three years from now. But like, you know, you could just imagine like how much better like we would feel consecutively through our lives. The problem with that is, is then we'd also lose the perspective of what it feels like to be able to feel like the benefit of it because you felt bad, but now you feel better. So like, I guess there's kind of like right. a catch me too, but like just knowing the science behind it, it's just something that it seems like we should be getting like our children to do at a, at a younger age, just to adopt that into their routine. So it becomes a normal part of their lives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. I agree.
Um, let's talk exercise now that we've kind of like morphed in a little bit in, okay. into like exercise as well. Like, like Qigong, like what, um, like what, what's the principle? Like, why do they say, you know, or what's the principle and the understanding of like why you don't want to push the body, you know, kind of past the point of like getting warm or just like that moderate sweat or, you know, like just not overexerting yourself or exerting yourself to like our standards, um, like in like sports and Western <laughs> culture. Because in, from an Eastern medicine perspective, a lot of treatment is based in prevention. And one of the key modes of prevention is conservation. And that translates into conservation of chi, conservation of blood, fluids, and essence in the body. And so anything that we do to overexert ourselves, whether it's burning the candle at both ends in our lifestyle or um, overexercising or overeating or overdiet, whatever it is, that overness is what ends up depleting us on some level. And the idea is to not get depleted to begin with so that when something arises out of our control, we have the resources to appropriately deal with it so that it doesn't become worse than it needs to and it doesn't tax us more than it should. And um, so that is the main, that's the main premise behind kind of having the traversing the middle path in life from an Eastern medicine standpoint, because um, with respect to, uh, let's say we could give, we could use like a hot yoga or um, people that go into saunas on a regular basis um, that are maybe already a little bit deficient. Uh, the heat feels good to them because they might already run a little bit cold or their hands and feet are cold. Um, and then they get in the heat and it's, it's just kind of like melting that cold and making them feel better. But it's also inducing a sweat in that in Chinese medicine, the sweat comes from blood. So it's not just like the body makes sweat out of nothing. The body is pulling the fluid out of the blood to make the sweat. And so then that can diminish the blood in quality or in quantity. And over time that can create a deficiency condition in the person. And then they might be more prone to injuries or more, more prone to colds or that's, that's the line of reasoning behind it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you know, and the interesting part about that too is because, you know, like outside of anybody exercising, you know, like, like we know statistically and, you know, I, I'm probably going to butcher it a little bit, but I believe it's over 70% of people in Western culture are listed as chronically massively dehydrated. So, you know, and a lot of those people aren't even exercising or sitting in the sauna. Right. You know, so like when you look at it, you know, like from the perspective of like, you know, if this sweating, so, you know, like enhances that, you know, like presumably you'd be starting at a point of like, you're properly hydrated, you know, your cells are probably hydrated, your organs are properly hydrated, you know, but like, we're not even starting at a position of like success at all. And then all of a sudden one day, which is indicative to this time of year, it's like, okay, now I'm going to go exercise. Okay. And I'm, my new year's resolutions, I got to drop 20 pounds. I got to go do this, that, and the next thing. You know, and we realize, like, you know, like, obviously, New Year's resolutions don't last that long, but you can clearly see them from, like, a, an Eastern perspective, how, like, the cards are clearly stacked against you, like, even walking into an environment strictly from, like, blood flow and what that blood flow 
you know, means in traditional Chinese medicine. Right, right. And I think that with regards to that, so many people are so disconnected from their bodies by the time they need to establish that exercise regime, for example, they're not even sure what's like a good sore or a bad sore or, you know what I mean? And, and I think that people in general have a tendency to rely on whoever is in the position of authority in any situation, whether it's they're going into a doctor's office or they're going into the gym to, to meet with their trainer. And I think that a lot of times people don't say anything when they feel discomfort. And um, so it's not just like the over-exercising. It's also like we all have to take some responsibility to speak our truth about how we're feeling in the moment and, and actually feel how we're feeling in the moment instead of just trying to push through things. Sometimes when you're training, you have to push through things. I get that. But other times it's like, how do you know when enough is enough? And I think, you know, if there's already that, disembodied sort of way of being um, that's been a habit for so long. And then we get into, you know, starting a yoga practice or going to the gym. It can be kind of a recipe for disaster for some people um, because they really don't know their body well enough anymore to be able to gauge what they're gauging, how they felt, you know, when they were in their twenties or in their, in high school or something like that, you know what I mean? When everybody so, was this super athlete like 20, 30 years ago that they feel like they should still be today, right? So that's yeah. one thing that I deal with all the time. And, you know, and I always tell people, I'm like, we're so disenfranchised from like what everyday life should be because I always tell people, I'm like, the last thing you should ever need to do is actually go to the gym or play a sport. Like, yeah, you could do those things for fun, but there should be really no need for it, you know, because like our days should be active enough that, you know, like we, we get what we need for our bodies just from daily activity. But now because you know, everybody's so sedentary, well, what becomes right. an appropriate level of activity when our body is used to being dynamic, but we've made it like static and stagnant. So like when yeah. people ask me all the time, they're like, well, how much should I work out? I'm like, I don't even know the real answer to that question. You know, like I can say like, you know, you should typically do something for 60 minutes, seven days a week, no matter what that is, could be a walk, it could be weights, it could be whatever, like, it, as long as you're moving your body, you know, but in contrast, you know, like, that is completely sedentary into, like, what our body, you know, like, the movement that should be, you know, incorporated into our day, and, like, is that something that, like, you agree with, or do you see, like, the point that I try to make with people, or, like, where's your thought process behind, like, you know, like, the amount of activity that would come by our body naturally compares to where we're at today? And like, how do you guide people down that? That's a good question. I mean, I, in my practice, I haven't been in a position to really guide people too much. I know that when I was teaching yoga, I would tell people, you know, if they're, if anything feels uncomfortable, back off and do it to 30%. <laughs> and, how, and if that still feels uncomfortable, then let it go. Do yeah. an alternate posture or just come out of it and take a rest or whatever if you're doing something and you're like shaking i i'm not a fan of that either i think that that's your body telling you enough is enough mm -hmm. um if you feel like you can't breathe well 
that's another thing. I mean, yeah, you breathe heavier for good reason when you're exercising hard, but if you, if you are starting to feel lightheaded or you're starting to feel like you can't get a, a good, solid, deep, fulfilling breath in or out, then that's another indication. If you're just, you know, and some days are different than others as well. Like some days your biorhythms are off. You might be fighting something off. You, who knows what's going on? Um, the planets just align in such a way that you just need to take a break. And then, like you said, uh, 60 minutes a day is, I think, reasonable um, if you're if you're sedentary all the time. I mean, you got to get that movement movement in. I think that stagnation that arises from lack of movement in life is what causes a lot of the problems that people are having nowadays, especially as we age. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, does that answer the question? Yeah. You know, because, you know, like the one thing, like what I always say to like, you know, people too is, you know, like when you're, when we're moving, it's like, you know, and we start to breathe more through our diaphragm, you know, and we're re-oxygenating the body. Like this is like a big part of the problem, like in our life, because like I say to people, like, you know, we're not even oxygenating our body properly just because you breathe doesn't mean that you're bringing in enough oxygen for what our tissue and our cells need. And that's the one benefit of, getting out there and moving the body is that it forces the blood to flow. You know, it forces you to breathe a little bit heavier and like there's this benefit, you know, to it just even from intaking more oxygen, you know, because we know now, you know, like, you know, like that oxidative stress on the body, you know, like it has a lot of detrimental effect. And when you're sitting there and we were just talking about the cupping and talking, you know, extensively about like stagnation, it's just like, well, like arguably we could say like most people's entire body is in a stagnant state not just certain points on the body because just like they're being dramatically underutilized. And, you know, we can clearly walk around and see, you know, probably whose body is stagnant, whose body's not stagnant, you know, just from like a visual representation, you know, but like the extra taxation on our bodies, you know, because of that. And then like the oxidative stress and like, like the breakdown, like the lack of vitamins and minerals, like you kind of see how that whole ship just starts to like to sink. But a lot of that, I think, to do and I guess is my convoluted point is because when we look at exercise it needs to be this like I need to go run 10 miles okay well mm -hmm. I need to bench 200 pounds okay I need to squat my body weight I need to be able to do 10 pull-ups you know but you know maybe if we looked at it more like you know qigong and just saying okay well it's just it's movement you know like there's things like you know like tai chi like you know if, if you simply move the body and it's not about being so excessive it's just about there being this activity to the body in general like that's the benefit from it you know like where it's not we look at it as this like you know monster mountainous task because i know for me when i was in my early 20s and i was doing a lot of really heavy lifting i got up to like my 405 pound deadlift you know i was in my early 20s my knees hurt for like a week and i'm like why do i care you know, like it took me all this time to get to a point. I'm like, now my knees hurt for a week. And when am I ever going to lift 400 pounds up off the ground? And like from that day forward, I just never lifted heavy ever again because it just seemed like I was going through all this only to be able to hurt the thing I was trying to build. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's so, a really good point. Yeah. So, and again, kind of like, you know, working along those lines, like the cupping, <laughs> the Qigong, and then um, I can't remember how you pronounce it, but the massage, you know, so like, you know, like walk us through like what that means, you know, versus like, is I know a lot of people, they like, just look at two different perspectives when it comes to massage. Like I'm going for this 
foofy relaxation massage or they're like, I'm going to an RMT who's probably just going to make me cry on the table. Yeah. Well, Twayna probably falls more in that second category. <laughs> um, Twayna means push-pull. And, and that's exactly what it is. You're, you're pushing and you're pulling and you're, you're forcibly breaking up adhesions in the, in the connective tissue and the fascia so that you can free up the flow of chi and blood through the body. Because remember, any blockage or obstruction to the free flow of chi and blood through the body is the foundation a diseased state. So if the chi and blood are flowing freely through the body and in a rhythm and at a rate that is optimal, then there can be no pain. Theoretically, there can be no disease. Mm-hmm. Um, so Twena is another way to get at some stuck stuff and help it release basically. And um, there are, there are acupressure techniques that are employed in it. There are various uh, hand techniques. There's plucking and there's rolling and there's different things you can do. And some of it's very uncomfortable, especially if you're really locked up in an area. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it is, is it feels good. So, um, but it can release a lot of stuck stuff, just like the cupping can. Um, so like cupping, would you- would you say like, you know, sorry to interrupt you, um, because you were, we were just talking about the whole concept that we have a, a tough time understanding is people is like, is it, do I stop at pain or discomfort or what is even the difference between pain and discomfort? You know, so like we were saying something is very uncomfortable. Like how would somebody know like when they should just really try to like grit their teeth and I'm going to work through this versus I'm going to hold, or is it completely personal to like the threshold of tolerance that you have as a person or um, like how would you coach somebody in that? I think it's a combination of those things. And if you are going to a really experienced practitioner who um, is, is listening to your body, then there shouldn't be that much of an issue with it. I think, um, and in, in the case of Tway Na, I would say that if you're going to a licensed acupuncturist that's been trained in Tway Na, then you're probably going to somebody who is going to be listening to your body. Um, but, you know, we all have bad days, and sometimes you do need to speak up if something doesn't feel right to you. And how do you know if that feels right or not? Is like, you know, err on the side of caution say something and then the person that is working with you can further inquire what it is what you're that you're experiencing and the intensity of it to know if it is something that they need to back off on or if they need to talk to you about well this is what I think is happening and are you okay with proceeding I don't see that this will be a problem so sometimes you need to just speak up number one to allay your own potential anxiety about what's happening and number two to give them some some feedback so that they know because sometimes when you say something there they might be going through like a generalized protocol for a specific condition and there might be like an offshoot to that that's that needs to be addressed so that when 
the client discusses that with the practitioner, then the practitioner knows, oh, okay, let me go investigate over here and see what it is that they're talking about, that they're feeling. Um, and, you know, and then there's the thing where there is that threshold. Different people have different thresholds for pain. And what's a good pain, what's a bad pain. And maybe a certain person is going to need more sessions because they because the practitioner isn't going to be able to get in as deeply as they can feel the tissue may need, you know, or maybe the person hasn't had body work in a long time and you don't want to just go right in and loosen everything up because then they'll be sick from it. I mean, you can get sick from releasing too much stuff into your system because your body's got, if say the timing just worked out so that you were exposed to something, you're fighting it off and then you go get, like a serious twain-on session done, it's going to weaken your immune system because your body's trying to clear out that stuff that's going to try, it's trying to detox at, in addition to trying to fight off the pathogen that you may not even know you've been exposed to. So um, it's, yeah. it's a tricky one. I, I always say that it's better to say something to the practitioner though than it is to, to hold it in. Because if you're holding it in, then you're not breathing as well, then you're thinking, and you're not letting your your muscles relax. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I always say to people, you know, like when, when they ask me about it, it's just like, like, if you can still maintain a point of like physical relaxation, even though you might be like, you know, like maybe like emotionally working through being able to want to go through the process, like that's fine. But as soon as the body starts to tense up, then you're losing a lot of the benefit of even that being there. So you might as well just put it right. back anyway. Um, it kind of brought, yeah, it kind of brought me in, into a question of that. What would you, or how would somebody know whether or not they should go for like cupping first or like, um, like the massage first, like, like what would be the cart before the horse? Or like, how would somebody, um, determine like what they should do first or is there a first or, because they sound similar, but obviously still very different. Like, you know, um, so like how would somebody assess that or would they have to rely on their practitioner to be able to assess that for them? So like if they're going to a licensed Chinese medicine practitioner in the U S or in Canada, they're going to be trained in all of these different body work modalities. And they're going to know what the person needs based on their training. Okay. So Yeah. So that's, that's what I would say. Um, I think that the best way to find someone is through word of mouth most times. And w- regardless of what, who it is, what kind of practitioner. And to, you know, go with what feels like it's the path of least resistance. If it's easier to get in with this massage person, then that's fine. If you went to a party and you met somebody who was trained in Chinese medicine and you just hit it off with them and go to them. Like, however it is that life kind of unfolds that for you. And then practitioners oftentimes will cross refer to one another. I know in my town, we have a really nice network of, of people. We have some amazing practitioners here and we all like cross refer to one another um, because we can see or sense that what a person needs may be more along the lines of what someone else is doing in their practice. I, I refer people all the time. Yeah. And it's always nice to like, for me, when you know, there's good synergy amongst professionals, 
you know that the industry has a lot more of the the participants um like they're what they need into consideration more like because then when it, when there's more of like that doggy dog then you know that the, the the client's probably not getting like the best care that they need and when somebody's willing to be humble enough to saying like well like look you know like i'm really good at xyz however this other person is a little bit better than me i'm gonna refer you to them because they can help you like i just i feel like then that really has like patient care like first and foremost yeah yeah. So, um, and some will even refer to to different acupuncturists. Yeah. You know, I do too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's skip over the history for a little bit because I feel like the seasonal routine part kind of ties into like you know what we've been talking about a little bit. Um, like I just know you know like from your book like you you talk about seasonal routine. Um, you know, like kind of explain like like what I guess like that means and you know, like what it kind of looks like specifically to like the season that we're in right now. Okay. So, so any, any routine, as long as you stick to it for the most part, if it's a middle of the road routine, it's, it's a good routine. You know, I'm not saying like staying up all night and then getting two hours of in the afternoon is a good routine if that's your routine but like pretty much what is best for the body is to have a regular routine so getting up at a regular time each morning going to bed at a, at a consistent time in the evening eating at consistent times throughout the day exercising at a consistent time taking your vitamins at a consistent time like the, the more consistency you have in your routine tends to be better because it helps to balance out um, the vata or the energy of movement in the system. And that's usually the thing that goes out of balance first. Um, vata is closely associated with the vitality in the body, um, meaning the life force energy, the prana, the chi, the electromagnetics, the nervous system. Um, so if that is balanced, then one is in a good place overall because that will usually be the thing that sets everything else off if imbalance does arise. So in the winter, a couple of different things happen. Um, <clears throat> the vata energy tends to be what is most predominant for, for most people because the energy of vata has the qualities of coldness and dryness as two of its foremost qualities, and, and it's mobile. And the, in the wintertime, obviously, things are colder, the weather is colder, and the environments that we're in are usually drier, um, whether it's atmospheric dryness or whether it's uh, the dryness from being indoors with the heat on. So, um, so there is a tendency for people to feel more dry because of this, because as the air is drier, it's pulling our moisture and we become more dry. Um, usually people's skin gets drier in the winter time, or, um, they may feel colder in the winter time in general, just because 
you know, you're inside with the, with the heat on, if you're someone who has some deficiency or some cold lodged in your joints, it's not going to make a difference um, whether you're in the heat or not. You're still going to feel that cold joint pain because your body knows what is happening in the environment at that moment, whether or not you're indoors in the heat. And so the things that are best to do as far as like seasonal routine goes in the wintertime are to eat. Um, it's generally recommended to eat more like hard to digest foods, like fattier foods, because um, they are fuel to heat the body. Mm-hmm. And it's what we have evolved seasonally to be accustomed to eating because that's what is naturally available, like nuts, seeds, root vegetables. Um, those are, you know, the things that we we traditionally had in the storehouses at this time, meat. Um, so cooked foods are usually always recommended and those heavier foods being cooked are ideal. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel about like, soups and stuff like that you know like when we kind of have like that that deep cold like inside it's like you know because that to me kind of seems it would be almost like how you describe this sauna where it would be like a little bit too temporary like but is it good to just like you know quickly boost um the body warmth that way or would it be better you know like maybe layer up and you know have like a little bit fattier of a meal or like like what would you or is it uh, person-specific too hard to just generally assess? Well, everything is person-specific, but generally speaking, it is good to have soups and stews and things like that in the wintertime and to add things to them that are nourishing for the kidneys. So the kidney energy is related to the water element. It's related to wintertime. And we want to take the opportunity in the winter to nourish the kidneys, not just for that season, but for the next winter and the winter after that. And so in Chinese medicine, there are oftentimes herbs that are added to soups and stews in order to, um, to you know, bolster the kidney energy and to keep the body warmer um, it's, it's even the extremity is warmer throughout the winter. Um, so things that you could do are, I mean, I always recommend people add ginger and turmeric and um, those types of spices. They're good for circulation. Ginger specifically is good for um, digestion and assimilation. Mm-hmm. And it's also a little bit warming. Fresh ginger is is I use fresh ginger more to tonify the digestive system and I use dried ginger more to tonify like that yang chi of the kidneys. So you could combine them in a broth or, or a stew or a kanji or whatever it is. Um, and it's little specific things like that, that um, I feel the, where we lose people is the, oh, well, I'm going to have fresh ginger here. I mean, I have dried ginger here and then all of a sudden it's just like, okay, it's so complicated, you know, but the one thing that I really try to like, you know, wrap around in like that aspect is like, it's only this complicated because we're not educating people at like a really young age, like how we would teach them like 
language or we would teach them like anything like you know like math or and like we we yeah. teach people this but like all of a sudden it's like okay well now when you might be 20 30 40 50 60 years old <laughs> it's like now i'm going to explain to you where it's like okay well i'm going to have dry ginger here and i'm going to have fresh ginger here instead of just having ginger in general you know but like just having ginger in general is better than having no ginger you know like, exactly. like all these things but that's where like you know we're we're like and i see it and i hear it from people all the time and i feel it sometimes too where it's like you know, but I also have now like coached myself down the road and saying like, well, it's only this hard because we're all just getting into it now unless you had this burning passion or if you were raised in these kind of environments. Because I also have now met a few people who were raised by parents who are very like, you know, like Eastern thinking. And it's amazing the knowledge that they have and the simplicity to their lives in the what we perceive to be this complex, complicated right. Right. Just I'm stressed out thinking about it. I'll never be able to do it. I'm gonna start it in 2021 is my New Year's resolution. Although it's January 2020 right now, and you no, know, just like delay, delay, delay. But you know, like, like when you're talking, when we're speaking, I know we talked about this with the cupping and everything too. It's the where, you know, like if we enter some of these things that we just know, like yes, they may not be like a morphine drip that you can hold on to and walk around with, and you're just also like, gonna get all woozy and you feel it. However, we do know, and there's no refuting that, like, if we just keep up with it, like, what we would do, you have to eat every day, you know, you have to be active every day, you know, like, you have to drink water every day, like, we can simply do these other things, but we're just, I think we're missing kind of like the boat of explained, or like, when we educate people on, like, incorporating these things into their lives, so that it becomes simple, because we don't really know any other way. Right. Yeah, yeah. and it and when they don't know any other way, then it's like one more thing that you've got to add to your already overburdened schedule or routine. Yeah. So I, I recommend that people start with one thing. So regardless of the season, it's better to go to bed a little earlier and it's better to get up a little earlier. Um, so just stick with one thing. If, if, you, if you know you don't sleep well, I would start with that. Like, what is it that you could change about your day that could help you sleep better at night? Because if you're sleeping better, you're detoxing better, you're stressing less, your stress tolerance goes up so you can handle more the next day, and you just feel happier. Like, you know how you feel when you get a really good night's sleep and you wake up in the morning, it's like you know, you feel 20 years younger. So is it that you're drinking too much caffeine throughout the day? Is it that you're overstimulated by electronic devices and screens? Is it that you're putting too much pressure on yourself to get too much done in a day? Is it that you are not allowing yourself to let go of the to-do list in your head and so you're ruminating instead of falling asleep while your head's on the pillow at night? Is it that you've been exposed too much to too much blue light? Is it that there's so much inconsistency in your schedule that you're going to bed at such different times that your body really doesn't know what to do? Um, is it that you're not getting enough physical activity so you're not tired enough to go to sleep? I mean, there, it could be a number of things. Are you eating too late at night? Are you eating really hot, hot, spicy things late at night? Do you have half a chocolate bar at night? <laughs> like, what is it? Like, find the most common sense, obvious thing that's the easiest thing for you to shift and start with that. 
And they've yeah. done research that shows that if you change one habit, that your entire, like the orbit of your entire existence starts to shift. And you start making different decisions about things in your life that are more healthy. And you start to feel like subtle changes in yourself. For example, your reaction to something might be very much diminished from what it would ordinarily be once you start to just change one thing for the better. So there are a lot of, um, you know, even my book has the whole like Dina Charya, the whole daily routine thing and the seasonal routine information. But um, look, look at sleep is huge. Look at hydration, look at quality of the food that you're eating, Look, pick one thing, look at the amount of time you sit in silence a day, look at if you are taking any time for yourself at all, any day, and whatever it is that you just feel you need the most, start with one subtle tweak in that dimension of your life. Mm -hmm. And then if you want you get further inspired to look more into doing more seasonal things or more daily routine things. Um, then you can look to that information and pick something else. Unless you are taking yourself up out of your current life circumstances and plunking yourself into a situation where you have the space and the time and the energy to change everything that you're doing. It's very difficult to just pick up a Dinacharya routine and start following it without going absolutely insane by the end of the week. Mm -hmm. Because it's like you're giving yourself a marathon to run with no time to shift or, or, or train for it. You know what I mean? It's like you have to, if you want to create lasting change, start with something simple. And in the last podcast, we, we talked about the importance of anchoring your energy into your body, being more embodied, um, making your vitality a priority over everyone else's or even your own misguided expectations of yourself. So I mean, that can be a place that you can start. And then to know that there are these recommendations that are outlined is it's fun in a way because you can see where you already start to fall into that sort of a rhythm. Once you start to change things for the better for yourself, um, you'll just naturally start to fall into a rhythm. And, and then you can read more about the different constitutional types and see where in your life you lean more into one or another and see how that fits in with the, with the pattern that you're establishing for yourself both seasonally and, um, and in, on a daily basis. See, and you know, and like this kind of like a, a brings me into like a, a concept that I've been kicking around for a while. And um, to be honest, I can't remember if we've, we've talked about it or not. Um, so like, you know, when a lot of these principles were designed like this way of living and like, you know, I, I feel like because where we're at in life right now, you know, versus where life was when a lot of these systems were being created and then just, you know, through like the, the centuries that, you know, like they've been passed down to kind of get to where we're at now. Um, it seems like the gap is so much bigger to right. like, you know, true inner peace and like holistic living. Because if you would think like, could you imagine like where your starting point would be 2000 years ago? in China, somebody like growing up in this environment, growing up in communities who think like this, growing up in a nation 
you know who's thinking like this and like that's like your your way life in every aspect of life is designed around this and then you progress from there forward you know versus like with us like when you were listing like you know try to change one of these things you know like when you listed off about 15 different things i'm like people probably are doing all 15 of those you know like and it might have been 10 but i'm just saying hype that <laughs> throwing a number out there and stuff but like these are some of like the problems like you know like we're just when you were talking just strictly about sleep you know like how could you sleep there it's like well we know people aren't exercising enough we know people are at too much screen time we know people are overstimulated um you know we know people are overstressed we know people are overtaxed at work overtaxed at home we know people aren't taking enough personal time we like all these things like that that is like the world we live in and you know like where you said like simplifying it down and just saying okay well picking one of those knowing that you're probably doing them all what is the most important one to you that feels like like what's your intuition telling you that you need to change first and foremost you know because that's how far we have to go to kind of get back even to like a starting point that's a solid place to be able to even leap from from there Right. That's absolutely true. And like you said about, you know, 2000 years ago, like people were already going to bed at dusk. People yeah. were already getting up at dawn. You know, it wasn't like such a leap for them to change their, their, unless of course they were a hard worker in the fields and they didn't get a lot of downtime and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it, it they were already living according to nature. They weren't exposed to all these you know, Wi-Fi and cellular and pesticides and whatever it is, you know, the additives and food, like they didn't, they already didn't have any of that. Mm -hmm. And then the other piece of it is like, from the Greek perspective, the word diet comes from diata and it means a way of living and a diet wasn't prescribed unless you had something diagnosably wrong with you. And so, um, I mean, wrong isn't the best terminology to use, but you get what I mean. Something um, we need to change, yeah. Like there's just a change yeah, that needs to occur, yeah. There was an illness that was diagnosed or whatever. So already people were kind of already living with nature. They were in nature. They didn't have air conditioning and, and the heating systems we have today or even running water. So they were constantly exposed to the outdoors and they were constantly in touch with the rhythms of nature. They didn't have all this light pollution and stuff like that. So all of these guidelines are basic, basic observations of what just naturally occurs. And here are the subtle tweaks in how you're going to naturally experience life based on your constitution, but it's all pretty similar at the end of the day. Um, it's all about the patterns in nature and, and, and our connection to the environment and how we interact with it and how we live according to it. And like you said, we've gotten really um, far from it. So tuning, it's like we have to tune back into it in any way that we can, like, because really our, quality of life depends upon it mm -hmm. yeah and you know and like kind of like what you were when you were explaining that like a thought came to my mind that i've actually never really processed before is that when when we were living you know like you know say we we're just kind of talking about like uh, two thousand years ago 
our draw to these things was from more of like a genetic level. Like you, you felt better because you were outside and like there, cause there just wasn't anything else. And like this food you, you ate, you ate because there just wasn't anything else, you know? So like that was really playing into our genetics. So any like euphoric response or like, you know, wellness response we got because of that was because it was tapping into like, our genes and like like who we actually are like at a genetic level you know but you look at it now like all this stuff we're doing today is really just playing off like serotonin release you know like Mm -hmm. when you're looking at the screens when you're looking at the social media accounts when you're looking at the the toxic food we put into our bodies like it's all playing off on like that response and that response only really used to be like hey there might be that pretty looking food over there in the distance maybe you should walk over there and check it out to see if we can eat it. You know, right. but like now, like there's, there's, you know, because there's nothing genetically that tells me I should eat McDonald's. There's nothing genetically that tells me I should grab my cell phone and scroll through Facebook or anything like that. But like genetically, there is something telling me that I should go walk outside and be amongst the trees and nature and fresh air and running flowing water. And, you know, like all these visual representations of nature, but it's like, we've we've stopped that we have like that that gross disassociation with that because we've now flipped it onto this other scale that's the just addicted to the pleasure response and you know all the things like that like well caffeine's like that that's why we're over consuming caffeine you like the blue light like the the tv shows like i hear this common narrative all the time and i don't really watch tv and like, I can't even remember the last time I watched like a movie with my girls at the movie theater, but like actually saying I'm watching TV, but I hear people all the time say, you'll never, you'll never guess like how many good shows are on TV right now. Or like now that Netflix has come out, like, like there's just amazing shows on all the time. And now like Apple and Amazon and you know, like all these, like they, they're just creating like these amazing shows, but now people are binge watching. Like yeah. I remember before, like uh, somebody would talk about binge watching a show, like, maybe like once every two, three months or something like that. Like there had to be a, a bank of things, but now people are binge watching like eight or nine different shows because there's like eight or nine different shows all the time that are binge worthy. You know, it's even like, well, a- I think they released the whole season at the same time too. I think they've changed things to do that because that's what the culture is asking for. Yeah. You know, and you think like it's things like that, like, you know, that you think like, if you're just like, hey, like, let's go outside and be with it in nature and tap into this, this primal response to our genetics that will change your life. It'll lower your blood pressure. It'll make you feel better. Right. Like, you know, mm-hmm. reoxygenate yourselves, like all these things. But people have a hard time with that versus like, I'm going to watch Netflix for the next six or eight hours because like, I'm going to watch this entire series that came out or I have this series to watch. Somebody else told me that that was good. You know, like, how do, how do we see like, like where, what, what can we do? You know, like people like you and I, or, you know, people who think like you and I, like, what are some of like the little seeds to plant? You know, they're like, when you think of it, of, you know, getting back into, you know, these principles that were made, whether they were 2000 years, 3000 years or 4,000 years ago, or rode on a turtle shell or on a scroll or however they came about, like, because this is kind of like where everybody kind of needs to go. And I know that there's a culture drifting towards that because you see like traditional Chinese medicine and, you know, Arabic medicine and, you know, like cupping, like all these things are becoming very popular searches, popular hashtags, you know, like you starting to see them like all over like, like social media sites and stuff. Like, do we just 
keep doing what we're doing? Are, are these the little seeds that we're planting? Like having like podcast now and just trying to like, you know, maybe get in touch with another person. Like, um, like, like, what do you see? Like, do you see us kind of getting better as a culture here? Or do you think that there's a very small population that's fine tuning how they feel, but the mass population is still kind of drifting off in the wrong direction? I, I think it's more of choice B, but I think that as, as people drift off, they know it doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. But they're, but they're so locked into their, their culture at work or the habits that they've grown accustomed to that it's like they, they feel like they're drowning. Really. They mm -hmm. just are whisked away by it. And so they want that serotonin release or whatever it is, the scrolling or, when you do that, you feel that it's not, you could feel it. You could yeah. feel that it doesn't feel good, you know, like your body doesn't want it. And I think that, that um, our bodies are confused just for the reason that you said, like it's natural and normal to be out in nature doing stuff. And we're doing the exact opposite on a regular basis. And it's like the body's like, what? McDonald's instead of that, you know, this any food group we want when our genes and our microbes are telling us it wants something else because this is the season we're in. And it's just, everything is just like so confused. Um, and I think that that's, and, and people are confused because of it, because they don't even know where to start. And so that's why there's this yearning to, to ground into something, right? So we'll pick a diet or, We'll pick a, an exercise regime or, you know, whatever it might be. But then at the end of the day, are you breathing deeply? Are you sleeping well? Are you slowing down? Do you feel any spaciousness in your life? Do you feel any peace and calm on a regular daily basis? And if you can't say yes to all of those things, then those are the things that you need to look at. How important do you think it is for an individual to have a certain amount of time allocated to a day, no matter what that time frame is, where they are strictly only just focusing on understanding how their body feels, like listening to like the thoughts going through their mind, feeling their body, understanding like, you know, aches, pains, heat, coolness, discomfort, um, wellness, like how, how would you rate that on a scale one to 10, like one being insignificant, 10 being extremely significant um, people, 10. Yeah. But it's amazing how many people know that it, and like, I agree. And I tell people this all the time too. I just find it refreshing when more people prioritize it like that too, but that we actually will stop that because we feel like it's selfish. And like, yep. that's the way that we're brought up is, yep. you know, or a lot of people are brought up that way. I should say that, you know, like taking that time for yourself is actually a very selfish thing to do. Or, you know, yep. like you should really watch, you know, kind of like, you know, having like that time and, you know, and like expressing that time like for yourself, but you know, it is so critical to us as human beings, right? And that may, that may be like a tribal thing that's been passed down, you know, in the DNA for generations. Yeah. 
because of the need to take care of one another to survive. Um, so there might be some genetic component to that that pulls us naturally out of self-care. But we need to change that. <laughs> That's the case, right? We need to, because we know, you know, we are evolving. And we know that we need to take that time for ourselves, especially people that are in helping professions, especially, um, you know, parents who stay at home and take care of their kids and don't take any time for themselves. It's like, you, you know, when you do take the time, how much better it feels for you and how, and the resonance that that has that the kids pick up on or the clients pick up on, like, there's a very, very, very subtle perception that we all have and it's always working. We know when we're around someone and we feel uncomfortable. We know when we walk into a space and it makes us feel good or it makes us feel anxious or it feels stuffy or for some reason we just don't feel comfortable in it. There is always that happening and that always shifts when we are practicing optimal self-care. Mm -hmm. What we are putting out into the space around us always changes for the better. So we just have to practice it more, regardless of whether it's been drilled into our heads and our bodies for generations or this life that it's better to give our selves up to the whole constantly um, because we know from experiential awareness that it's not. And that's why tapping in and even if you take 30 seconds out of the day and you just sit and allow yourself to recognize exactly what it is that you're feeling, or if you have like an emotion come up and you allow yourself to sit with it for a couple of minutes so that it doesn't consume you for the rest of the day so that you can really pinpoint where it's coming from and why and allow yourself the space to let it emerge and then, you know, move through it. Whether it's, you know, just recognizing your surroundings or noticing what it really like smells like in your house or whatever it is, like just, just to be aware is so important. Um, and to be aware that we're being aware. And that goes for even when we're doing things good for ourselves, like when we're going to do our exercise routine, you know, is your mind in 50 other places or is it where you are right now with what you're doing? Mm -hmm. How we're doing things makes a huge, huge difference to how we feel. Yeah. You know, and like, and when you're, when you're speaking with that, like what I, what I visualize when you're talking is that like all those things are direct representations of making sure that, you know, like that our chi is flowing responsibly, like through our body, because like, like all those things then become blockages, like in our body and would disrupt our chi flow, like, no matter like where we're, we're coming from, because we're just not taking that time out to be able to recognize, you know, like what is actually important to this, this vehicle that's hauling us around all day. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there's all we get to a point where there's only so much. Yeah. There's only so much our body is going to like hold out for and then it's going to be like putting the brakes on us, on the mind. 
and there's a there's a saying i'm sure there's one in chinese medicine too but in, i think i read it in the charaka samhita that it's an ayurvedic medicine that says the disease is easy it's the patient that's the problem it's the patient that gets in the way and to me what's that what that saying is that um the mind is in a sense much more disruptive to the body than the body is to the body. You know, it's like the decisions that we make, the choices we make, the behaviors we engage in, um, that all has so much more of a role to play in our health and our well-being um, than we even believe it does, I think. See, and this always brings me back to the point of like, I really feel like there's a, a component of our lives and I and I always feel so awkward saying this that we we know too much we have the ability to be able to know too much or process too much like we've almost reached this apex of like detriment to ourselves because there's there's definitely like a, a certain point where you know like we we have the absolute ability to have the most simple life all of us, every, the 7 billion people on this planet could be living perfectly, mm-hmm. but yet we create such disharmony amongst like, like different regions, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different colors of skins, you know, different religious sex. Like, like we, this ability to think hasn't really fully served us this absolute purpose of harmony yet. So like right. I always kind of toss around like like when when do we get there like what because clearly it's not about what we have to learn because even when we do learn it it seems like we fight it like you just said like the patient is the problem not the not the disease it's like well this disease that's in our world is that we don't have harmony amongst our global community we don't have harmony amongst like our global citizens and like and I guess we can see like a big part of this like the Iran US conflict right now that's kind of manifesting you know like but that like that you could you could easily list probably 20,000 different things that kind of fall into that same category you know but like when when can we use this this amazing tool that we have to actually create even half of what could be you know because like I feel when I go into the back country and you know like and I'm there by myself and like you know you may see a bird or like it might be rare to see like an animal of any kind, definitely human being like you'll never see. But like you get to that point where like the first day, like, you know, like you're anxious, like there always should be something more to do. The second day, it kind of is a little, it's like half gone. And by the third day, it's like, you're not even yourself anymore. Like you were just, you realize like your purpose. And it's the reason why I always will go back and the reason why I go back <laughs> multiple times a year and I'll go back to the rest of my life and I encourage my kids and everybody around me because like I feel like unless if you know unless you have that little bit of perspective of what it's like and I know some people achieve that through meditation some people you know through you know qigong like no matter what it is but I feel like everybody needs a window that where they get to that point of understanding what it's really like to live this human experience because we're so disassociated from it right Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So um, I know we kind of had this scheduled in for 90 and stuff, but you know maybe that'll be like a, a good place to be able to to wrap it up. Do you have any? Uh, do you have anything exciting like any? Any like book signings or any like things like that to be able to to throw out there? Any any news you want to get out there for twenty twenty? Well, I'll be um, I'll have my second book coming out later in the year. It'll be out in September, and I'm working on some online coursework that should be available on my website in the next couple of months. Um, and I am tinkering with, uh, an advanced training of some sort. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Do you yeah. kind of have uh, anything in specific you're thinking about, or is that just a personal thing to you at this point still, or? It'll be largely, it'll have a large emphasis on yoga psychology and philosophy, um, and self-care and Eastern medicine. Awesome. Yeah. That's exciting. I'm, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll be a part of the process as, as you're going yep. through and as you figure it out and, and what it is and stuff. So uh, I'm yeah, super excited for that. Person. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. We're not even in uh, past 12. Yeah. We're still at 1120. So we have right. a little bit of morning to finish off before afternoon kicks in, but I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. I hope you do too. Okay, thanks Bridget. You're welcome.